0: Mark chapter 13, which is what we're gonna look at today is, is, is more than a good challenge. It's like the week before last when I, I went into the living room and there on the couch was a Rubik's Cube. And I thought to myself, aha, this is the year. This is the day that I'm gonna do it. I am gonna learn how to solve the Rubik's Cube. And so I, I Googled how to solve it for beginners and there's seven steps. And I sat down on the couch, and I started reading through the steps, and I got all the way to step two. <laughs> but did you know that there's 43 quintillion different possible combinations? 43, to be exact, there's 43 quintillion 252 quadrillion, 3 trillion, 274 billion, 489 million, 856 thousand different possible combinations. And I suppose there is just as many personal interpretations to Mark chapter 13. If you were to just Google these exact words, the gospel of Mark chapter 13, you come up with 23,100,000 results. And if you want to simplify that and you click on just the videos, you get 93,000 videos. Not that they're all related to Mark chapter 13, but I'm just telling you that Mark chapter 13 is filled with things that are to come, like we just sang. And so when there's... Things that are to come, prophecy, it's subject to so many different interpretations because prophecy is always easier to look, at from, to look at backwards than to look at forwards. Like, for example, if I were standing next to Jesus when he was standing in front of the temple Jerusalem, as magnificent as it was, and he were to say, Tear this temple down and in three days I'll rebuild it. I would have said, what? Jesus, no, Jesus, now listen, I I know that you're, you know, that you're a carpenter and your dad built things, but but Jesus like, build this and there's no way. But looking backwards, oh, we understand. When he meant, when he said the temple, he meant his body the temple of the Holy Spirit, because God no longer wants to dwell in a building. He wants to dwell inside us. He wants to be closer than the most intimate friend. And when Jesus said, I will rebuild this temple, he didn't mean a building. He meant his body. And so three days after he was crucified, sure enough, he came back to life, right? But with prophecies in mark chapter thirteen, it's looking ahead and there's so much in there there's there's war, there's famine, there's earthquakes, there's there's betrayal, there's persecution, there's just crazy stuff happening. and so, Many theologians, even godly men, that, that, that are very intelligent and understand that the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures, they won't even agree on everything. So who am I to tell you this morning, thus saith the Lord? Like, you know, some people have a mind palace. I have a mind closet, you know? Like, last week, my wife and I were driving in the car down Lewis Road, and she asks me a question. And and um, you know I, I I I don't I'm trying not to drink caffeine so I got no caffeine in my system and I'm a process thinker and she and she goes she asks me this question I'm taking a long time to respond and then she says you know what I know that God speaks through you on Sundays I said how how do you know that she goes because you sure don't speak that way during the week yeah <laughs> who am I to say thus saith the Lord but. What I am gonna do is I'm gonna give you what I think is very good application for those things that are not so uncertain in this chapter. And we're gonna start, we're gonna just look at six verses. So would you bow your head with me in prayer first? Because we need the Holy Spirit to help us. God, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this morning. I just ask that you would, yeah, quicken my mind and help us to hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's see what Mark was trying to convey and what Jesus was meaning to say. Verse one, as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. A couple of Saturdays ago, we are at the Somas Fair, and I saw this. Go ahead and put that picture up, Mike. This giant pumpkin, blown up pumpkin. I thought, wow, that is a magnificent pumpkin, right? The disciples were looking at this building, saying what massive stones, and rightly so. Because that's first century Jewish uh, historian Josephus. He says that some of these white marble Stones were cut fifty feet long by twenty-four feet wide by sixteen feet thick. You can take that picture down. Those are massive stones. Imagine some weighing over a million pounds. So rightly so they point out this this massive structure, this temple. And Jesus says this. Verse 2 Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left upon another. Everyone will be thrown down. I wouldn't have believed that. Just like I wouldn't have believed what would have happened to that pumpkin. (laughs) Does anybody remember that, that were there? The sucker just took off. And then it gets caught on the top of a chain link fence and gets destroyed by that pine tree in the background yeah all right you can take that down yeah in 68 excuse me 66 AD the Jews in Judea rebelled against the Roman kingdom and so Nero Emperor Nero sends Vespasian to put down the rebellion and in 68, Vespasian is able to subdue the Jews in northern Judea. Nero dies, Vespasian becomes emperor, and Vespasian sends his son Titus to complete putting down the rebellion in Jerusalem. In 70 AD, his son, Vespasian's son Titus surrounds Jerusalem with his armies. And he says, to his soldiers he commands them do whatever you do, do not destroy the temple it will be a monument for the empire but in a a fury of violence in a, a lust for destruction they set the temple on fire they massacred thousands and thousands of jews and they pulled down every single stone they destroyed it. in fact josephus says of the aftermath he says the whole enclosing walls and precincts of the temple were so thoroughly leveled that no one visiting the city would believe it had ever been inhabited point number one what jesus says will happen will happen Verse three, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that these things are about to be fulfilled? And you gotta catch Jesus' answer. He doesn't say when, he says this, verse five, he says watch out. Watch out for what? Falling falling stones? Pedestrians? No, oh, he says watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. My wife uh, uh, along with being an amazing cream cheese maker she also makes these amazing California rolls. And one day I came home from work, and there she was. She had made all these California rolls. I was like, oh my gosh, my heart was topped out. It was tapped out. It was flipped out. I was so in love with her at that moment. I saw all those California rolls, and we sat down at the table, and we all got our plates, and Tammy served us and uh, as she normally does because she's such an amazing servant. And, and, and there was my plate of California rolls, and we prayed, and then we dug in. And I bit into that California roll, and all of a sudden, it was like a thousand cans of pepper spray just went off in my nostrils because she hid in mine this giant chunk of wasabi. Because she's sadistic like that towards me. And she, like you, she was laughing, and the boys were laughing. I was dying, but they were laughing. I was deceived. Jesus says, watch out. Let no one deceive you. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, you remember? And this is interesting about deception. Is Satan comes as a serpent and he shows Eve this fruit and she sees what she wants to see. She sees this fruit that's good for food. She sees that it's impressive. It's pleasant to look at, verse 6 says in Genesis chapter 3. And she sees that it's good for knowledge. Was it good for any of those things? No. It was good for destruction of man's relationship with God. But she saw it as good, and and the serpent presents this need, like the need for food, and she justifies her desire for autonomy from God to make her own choices. She she justifies it through this need, and we all have a need, and it's called significance. Significance. Like when I, was, when I was in first grade, I was so small that kids, sixth graders would pick me up by my ears and, and put me in those 55-gallon trash cans. They thought it was funny. I, I thought I was a mistake. God, why did you make me this way? And all through life, I was always very small. And so when I was in eighth grade and you had to pick a sport for high school, I, I knew I was too short for basketball, too small for football. I, I never played baseball. And, and soccer, my folks My parents took us out because we were too small to be really good at that. And so I I talked my mom into letting me wrestle. And my brother and I, we became really good. And all of a sudden, I have this significance. Like, I'm I'm now popular. I, I now have this prestige. I now feel like I am somebody. And wrestling became this false messiah for me a false Messiah being anything or any person that sets itself up as your savior. And I was making wrestling my God. But the only thing I got out of wrestling was a torn ligament in my knee, a slipped disc in my back, in my neck, a broken nose, many jam fingers, and cauliflower in my ears. I can't even wear Apple earphones because of my ears, they won't fit. That's all I got out of wrestling because only God can give you purpose. But Satan will come along in your life and he'll show you this, he'll show you your need for significance and he'll say, here, get it this way. And he'll show you something that might impress you. So don't be deceived by that which can impress. Don't be deceived by that which can intrigue only God can give you purpose and you remember when Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days he was hungry and Satan says look look at these stones maybe they were big round in the shape of a bread loaf and Satan says Jesus if you're the son of God just just turn them into bread I mean you got to eat And Satan was trying to tempt Jesus into pride through the justification of a need. Right? And there are many false messiahs, but I'm just talking about the need for significance, for meaning in life, for purpose. But only God can give it. And uh, self-idolatry, pride, that just equals rebellion. In 168 BC, see a lot of us when we think about the false messiahs that are to come, that Jesus talks about in this chapter, we think of Daniel chapter 9, maybe if you're a Bible reader, and in that chapter, it talks about this abomination of desolation that sets itself up in the wing of the temple. And in 168 BC, the Greek king Antiochus IV, he sets up in, they, they, he t- conquers Jerusalem and he sets up in the temple this pagan god, Zeus Olympus, this statue. And on the altar of incense, they sacrifice a pig to further desecrate the temple. But scripture seems to indicate there's going to be another abomination that causes desolation. And it's gonna be set up in a place where it's not supposed to be. And maybe that's the temple in Jerusalem, but there is no temple in Jerusalem. It's been destroyed. So what that means is if that's true, the temple is gonna be rebuilt. And in that temple, there's gonna be someone or something will be standing in the place where it shouldn't be, saying and being set up, as God, and when that comes, we, if that comes, you know that the fig tree is in leaf, as chapter 13 points out, that the time is right there. At the, we're at the corner. We're at the end. We're near the end, and there's gonna be, and Jesus says, there's going to be trouble. All of chapter 13 says, you know what? There's gonna be trouble. My wife and I, since we're moving to Washington, We've got this weather app on our phones, and we're constantly looking at the weather app to see what lies ahead. Like, what is different from our climate than that climate? Is there something we need to be aware of? And yes, there's, there's snow there. It's, it gets colder there in the wintertime. Okay, so what do we need to watch out for? Do we, maybe do we need to get snow tires, studded tires, an all-wheel drive vehicle? Maybe we need to get warmer clothes. So we're looking at, we're looking ahead. What do we need to watch out for? What are we looking out for? Jesus says, the forecast for humanity is trouble. There's gonna be a lot of it. And when you see this abomination of desolation standing in the place where it shouldn't be, and all this tribulation comes, he says, I'm coming. And all of a sudden, men will see Jesus coming in the clouds in glory and power. And he will gather us together, those of us that are his children. And that's called the rapture. A lot's going to happen. But in verse 5, Jesus says, watch out. In verse 23, Jesus says, be on your guard. In verse 35, he says, keep watching. Verse 37, he says, what I say to you, disciples, I say to everyone, watch When I was training for the Catalina Marathon years ago, I was running up in the Santa Monica Mountains. I would go up there, I'd park right across Thornhill Broom Beach on PCH, and I'd I'd park across the street, and I'd go up this three-mile trail that gets to the top. You're now at the Backbone Trail, and it's super foggy. And I'm running along the top, and coming towards me around this corner comes this woman with her dog. And so as I approach her, she says, can, can, you, can you help me? And I said, what's the matter? And her dog looks really thirsty, and she's lost. And I give her dog some of my water, and she says, I, 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 do you know where Newbury Park is? How do we get to New?" I said, you're nine miles from Newbury Park. It's the opposite direction you've been walking. And she's been on the phone with her husband who's now in a search and rescue vehicle trying to find her. No helicopters are gonna find her in the fog. So they're driving on these trails. So I go, you know, let me talk to your husband. So I get on the phone. I, I tell them where she's at and how to find her. And they come and I go on my merry way. But what deception will do in your life is it will lead you farther and farther away from home if you let it, but Jesus says, watch, watch out. Watch out for those things that you will look for to be your savior. This woman dies and they have a funeral and uh, after the funeral, the pallbearers are carrying her out and they bump into the corner of the church wall and they hear this slight moan. They put the casket down, they open it up. She's alive. She lives another 10 years. Then she dies of natural causes. They have a second funeral. At the end of the funeral, the pallbearers are getting ready to carry the casket out. And the husband leans over to them and he says, guys, just one thing. Don't hit the wall. Watch out for it. We gotta watch out. But Jesus is coming back. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But what? But take heart, because why? Because I've overcome the world. So how do we watch? I'm gonna give you three things. One, is we watch by waiting. So be waiting. What I mean is, be depending on God. Watch by, be de- by being depending upon God. Two, be worshiping. Not just Sunday mornings. Don't just, we're not just here to worship on sing songs on Sunday morning. We're to worship God through the week. We're to worship God with our attitudes at work, our behaviors. We're to worship God with the purity of our lives, right? We got to keep worshiping. And third, be working. No, no, no. Not as in works to earn your forgiveness, to earn your justification. No, no. Be working at your relationship with God because relationships take work. Be reading the scriptures. Be, be reading your Bible app devotionals. Be praying. So be waiting. Be depending on God. Be worshiping and be working at your relationship. Right? Hmm. And Jesus says, when I'm coming back, that hour and day, I don't know. So that moment, the Father and the Holy Spirit hadn't yet revealed to the Son as he is in human form. He doesn't know what the hour and day is. But why? You, why don't you just tell us when you're coming back? Because then we can, like, be ready for you. My wife and I, we, have our, we put our house up for sale, and in four days it sold. But there was a Wednesday when the buyer was coming, but I knew because in the MLS, I put in the information for the agents, I, you know, make an appointment with me when your buyer wants to see the house. So I knew they were coming on Wednesday. And so Monday, I could kind of kick back, put my feet up. Tuesday, I could still re- we could still relax as a family. But then maybe Tuesday night, we start cleaning. Wednesday morning, the kids could make their beds. But what if you had no idea when the buyer was coming? What if I just put in just... Agents, just bring your buyers whenever. I'd have to keep the house cleaned all the time. I'd have to keep everything put away. I'd have to keep those things that don't belong there. I'd have to get them out of there. I'd have to clean up the dirt and any filth. I'd have to put the dishes away. I'd have to clean the dishes. And God loves you so much. He doesn't want to tell you when he's coming because he wants you to keep your house clean all the time. Because if you don't, you won't, even, you, you won't even catch it when he comes. He doesn't want filth in your heart. He wants you to keep it clean. He wants you to put those things away that shouldn't be there. You know, the TV is a wonderful thing. Last night, we were learning about how different, because... T- Tammy wanted to watch it. I'm learning about how different makeups are made and, and what can be in them and things like that. And it's a great tool to learn stuff. It's a great way to be entertained when you need to be entertained, but just listen, the TV can also be a door for filth, for evil to enter your homes, just like so many other things, like the computer. Keep those things out that shouldn't be there. Be watching, be waiting, be worshiping, be working on your relationship with God. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this reminder that we don't know, we don't need to know when you're coming. We know there'll be, the forecast is trouble ahead, But take heart, you've overcome the world. Father, I just pray that you would help every single person in this congregation or listening via podcast, you would help them to stay close to you, to be waiting upon you, depending upon you, to be worshiping you even throughout the week, to be working on our relationships with you. Help me to to work on my relationship with you, to be closer, to to know you more clearly, to follow you more nearly, to love you more dearly. Thank you, Father. Just pray that you would keep the enemy from deceiving anyone in here too. In Jesus' name, amen.